I just felt like this is what we should concentrate on, maybe for the rest of this year. Someone, but uh, it says, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. The two things I want to intertwine and talk about probably together, two parts of this scripture is, make God the utmost delight and give God the right to direct your life. Give God the right to direct your life. I believe, you know, the Bible says the Holy Ghost leads us and guides us in all truth, shows us things to come. So we have the Holy Ghost in us to direct us and guide us. We have the Word of God to instruct us and help us and lead us and guide us. But uh, a compass, you know, is it's basically it's just a tool for finding directions, for finding directions. And uh, I, Melody says, you know, I've been gifted with directions I, I'm good at north, south, east, and west, and then everything. I just, it comes natural to me. We were someplace Friday or Saturday, and we walked out. And so I just took, she was, she walked out, and she just stopped, and I just kept, I turned to the right and walked. She goes, you know, I just have to think about where the car is. You just have a knowing. And uh, I said, well, I'm glad I can help you out in one area of our life. But anyway, I remember when I was 18, I was in the Air Force. They dropped me in the, um, the mountains of Spok- outside of Spokane, Washington, where there's tall trees and you didn't know north, south, east, and west because you wonder if the sun ever shines in that part of the country. But, um, so you don't even know which direction you have. But we had a compass. And to pass this land survival test, they, um, had, they gave us three days to get from point A to point B. And you had this map, uh, a terrain map, and you had to get to point B in three days. I think it was by noon or 5 o'clock that day, whatever. There was a deadline. And if you didn't make it there at that time, at that day, you flunked and you wouldn't be able to do the job that I was trying to get. So... Uh, you know, I look back on that, and I'm thinking, you know, they didn't, you know, this is 1978, 77, 78. They didn't have the technology we have today, and I'm just thinking, so if a guy gets lost, how are you going to find him? It was, you know, woods, thick woods and everything, and uh, you had a backpack and uh, like a granola bar. Yeah, and so, uh, and it was in the wintertime. And so that you had one canteen of water, and so they were concerned because uh, it got freezing cold and the creeks and everything dried up. You had, uh, we were taught land survival before that, just so you know. We, so they taught us some things to survive on, but then, you know, you had to go through all this. But uh, uh, I remember reading this compass because, you know, you have to know which direction you're going or you're, you're never going to make it. And so I remember I made it on the third day, and I was about 100. There was a bus there ready to pick us up. And uh, I, I made it before the time on the third day, but I was about, I don't know, 50, 100 feet from the bus. And I was just, I weighed 120 pounds, probably with the backpack. But anyway, I was a skinny, scrawny little dude. And so I was carrying this, and I thought, okay, I made it. And all of a sudden, my body just collapsed. It just went, I face planted in the snow. There was five or six inches of snow on the ground. I just face planted in that. And I thought, I'm just going to rest here, like, for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you know, I was just laying there and 
I didn't know, but two guys, they picked me up. They got off the bus, and they picked me up. And I went, oh, thank you. This is great. Can you help me get to the bus? And so they literally dragged me to the bus the rest of the 50 feet. But I made it. I passed. But uh, if it wasn't for that compass giving me direction, I would have never made it. I needed something to help me to get to my destination. And I believe there is so much that God has for us, so much that the body of Christ, not just the body of Christ, the world, period, everybody, has not received everything that God has planned for their life. Even the greatest, I mean, even the greatest evangelist, preacher, you think, man, they received everything. No, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Because the greatness that God has planned, in Jeremiah 29, uh, 11, it says that the plans I have for you are great. One translation, I think, is the NIV. says, plans to prosper you, plans to give you such a great future that you would have to know me to be able to get a hold of it. You have to know me to get a hold of it. And so I believe there's great things for us that um, God wants to help us and direct us. But ultimately, we have to know that it's going to, be, it's going to take God to get for, to walk in what he has already deposited inside. Like that scripture we read today, 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. You say, well, if I have it, why aren't I seeing it? <laughs> It's in you, but just being in, it's like having a million dollars in the bank. A million dollars in the bank is great, but until you make a withdrawal, it means absolutely nothing to you. You have to withdraw from that. We have to withdraw from the inside by faith. Grace has done it. Faith makes it manifest. Grace has done it. Faith makes it manifest. So you have to believe. And the thing is, you, I believe that what we're going to be talking about, this scripture, Psalms 37, it says, delight yourself in God. And what's the passion? How is it worded? Delight your utmost. I like that. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide for you what you desire the most. What do you desire the most? What do you desire the most? I know that. You know, there's a lot of times the Bible says, you know, fear the Lord. This is the beginning of knowledge and fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And I know, know that when I was growing up, that fear of God meant you were afraid of God, scared. And, you know, if he showed up, you didn't want to be around because you feared. You know, fear, I think it's, what does it mean, uh, flight or fight, one of those two? Your emotions just kick in and fear, it's either flight or fright. And it means, what did I say? It fight or flight. Now, do you really think God wants you to do that if he shows up? So where are we missing it here? Where are we missing it here? Because that's what a lot of people, I remember saying this years ago. Uh, when we had Wednesday night services, I was teaching on this, and somebody got ticked at me because they says, well, I just don't believe that. You know, that's fine. I don't believe some of the stuff I did years ago either. But I do know this. You keep hanging around the muddy pond long enough, you'll slide in. Some of you didn't get that. But anyway, the Passion Translation says this about talking about 
fear, not in general. It means in complete awe and adoration of God. Living in a way that our entire being worships and adores God is a constant theme throughout the Bible. That's what I think about fear. It's in a complete awe. You're just in awe of God. And it's just an adoration. And everything about your life is geared toward worshiping God in that. So I believe we need to rethink our approach to God. By that, I mean it's not about what he needs so much as what he wants us to walk in. I think our relationship with God has been just off because most of the time relationship with church people is that we need to keep all of the rules, make sure that we obey, 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 just make sure because, you know, if we're going to have a relationship with God, it's about rule keeping and obedience. That's the main thing. This is going to probably rub some people wrong, and I get that. What kind of relationship would you want with your spouse or your best friend? Is it just about keeping rules and you obeying everything that they say? You say, I'm married, so yes, it is. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's not, a great relationship is not about rule keeping, is it? But yet, this is the way that we want to have a relationship with God. And it's, I, he gives the rules, I keep the rules. He tells me what to do, and I make sure that I do it. This is how I believe God wants us to have a relationship. You see how much I love you. And the reason, if I do want you to do something, listen to me now. The reason if I want you to do something, it is not for my benefit. It is for your benefit. Man, see, that, that, that just changes everything. It changes everything. It's no longer God going, I told you to do that. You didn't do it. I'm not going to speak to you for a week. Man, that's not God at all. Or, you see this flaming sword? Just do that one more time. Just do it one more time. What kind of relationship would you want with that? What kind of relationship would, would you want with that kind of person here on this planet? And yet, that's what people are, are striving to have a relationship with God. Come on now. When I know God wants me to do something, I know it's not... God's saying, okay, I'm making a list. Here, you do it. No, it's for my benefit. I know. It's kind of like, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, you know, eat your green beans, eat your, ve- eat your vegetables. You think, when I get old enough, this is what I thought I was a kid. I'm never going to eat those things. Just saying. Just saying. I'm not going to eat them. I eat those things today. Why? Because I know they're good for me, and it's good for my physical body. I don't eat everything. Green, just saying. But uh, it's good for you. This is why your parents do that. This is a relationship God. God, he wants you to prosper and be in health and have success in every area of your life. In every area of your life. 
He wants you to be a but not just blessed. You know, the church is so many people goes, Oh, I'm just so blessed. You're far from being blessed the way that God wants you to be blessed. I guarantee it. I guarantee you're not living up to the blessing that God wants for you. So it's not about just keeping rules and all of that. Psalms 1, verse 1, it says this. We'll read down to verse 3. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? And again, we take that in a religious thing. See, you've got to keep his ways if you want to delight in God. And if you want to just have a great life, you've got to make sure you keep it. No, it says what delight comes to the one, to you and me, who follows God's ways. He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to, to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, keeping root by the brooks of bliss. Listen to me. I'm going to start over with verse 3. He's saying this. When you start to know God, when you just know him as Father God, this is what he sees for your life. Verse 3. He will be standing like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. Bearing fruit in every season of his life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. In other words, if your roots, you know, it doesn't matter. You all the trees, you know, in Pueblo, Colorado, if there's big trees, that means it's by a water source. You see trees out on, you know, Walker's Ranch. He has none, to my knowledge. But, I mean, everything I see when I drive down Highway 50, it's <laughs> dirt, bad dirt. But anyway, it's, but you go down by the Arkansas River and walk around the, the nature center and all of that, what do you see? <sighs> Gorgeous trees. It doesn't have to rain all summer. If it didn't never rain for three months, those trees would be just fine because of the river running through there, those roots tap into the water source doesn't matter listen to me doesn't matter what's going on out there what matters is what's going beneath on the inside on the inside doesn't matter what's going on out here gases you know I read an article that said gas by August could be six dollars a gallon you know everybody goes I'm gonna start walking Sell me your vehicle at a good price. I'll buy it. But anyway, this is the point. It doesn't matter what you keep thinking out here is going to determine what kind of success you have in your life. If that's your mentality, that will be whatever happens out here is going to affect your success. But according to the word of God, his success for you depends on what your root source is. What are you tapping into? What are you tapping into? Are you letting your mind go the way of the news and saying how bad things are? And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. If that is your mentality, guess what? It's going to get worse. But if you have the mentality, I'm going to delight myself in God because I know one thing. I'm giving him direction for my life. He directs my steps. I'm going to just walk according to the compass and I will get to my destination. I'll get there. I'll get there. So, through the process of delighting yourself in the Lord, 
You see that he delights in you. You have his whole heart, and you have all of his love. Delighting ourselves in God, he has set the example. And the example is how much he loves you and me. You can't delight yourself in God if you don't know how much he loves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is verse 4 through 8, the Amplified Version. It says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor bowls over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. I, you know, in the past, I've always thinking this, and this is true, this is how you know if love is being manifested in your life. If you read these scriptures and you see that portrayed out of your life. But, you know, the Bible says that God is light. God is the life. But God is the way. But it also says God is love. So you would not be wrong in taking the word love out of there and putting God, would you not? Is everybody following me? Okay. So you could say God, listen to me. God endures long, and he is patient, and he is kind. God never is envious, nor bulls over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display himself haughtily. Verse 5. God is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. He is not rude and mannerly does not act unbecomingly. God does not insist on his own rights. Let me just stop there. People say, what do you mean he doesn't insist on his own rights? He doesn't, and in fact, he gives you and me free choice. He does. The only thing, like I said, the one thing that he wants us to do, what he tells us to do is for your benefit. It's not for, bless God, I'm God. I'm sovereign. You do what I say. No, he lets you have free choice. So he does not insist on his own rights, continue, or his own way. For God is not self-seeking. God is not touchy. That ought to set some of you free. You know, if you do one little thing, oh, I don't think I was pleasing to God. God's not up there going, I know it. I hated it. He's not touchy. He's not fretful. Amen. He's not touchy or fretful or resentful. God takes no account of evil done to him. He takes no account of the evil done to him. And this is what it says. God pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That sounds too good to be true. But this is what some people will disagree with the man and says, no, that's for you and me. So this is what you're saying. God is putting a standard on what you need to do. But he doesn't have to do that. Come on now. God. He's love. He's love. Listen to the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Or you can say, I want you to put God in there. God is gentle and consistently kind to all. He refuses to be jealous. When blessing comes to someone else, God does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. God does not traffic and shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek his own honor. God is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. God joyfully celebrates 
honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. God is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. God never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. He never gives up. God never stops loving. He extends beyond the gift of prophecy and eventually fades away. God is more enduring than tongues which will all one day fall silent. God remains long afterwards, remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. God, this is what he is for you. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. So outside of God, there is no true peace or true happiness. There is not. So make God the utmost delight. Give God the right to direct your life. Understand how much he loves you, how much he delights in you. You know, I, I don't think that God intended for us to just keep rules and make sure we do everything and that is how we delight in God. It's the other way around, ladies and gentlemen. When you just understand what kind of person God is, and you start loving him because he first loved, we love him because he first loved us. And when you, once you understand and start having a relationship, and so pray this, God, I need to understand that, so I want to have a relationship with you. If you're forcing yourself to have a relationship, it's because you have no understand well, very little understanding or revelation of who God is. Let me just ask you this. If you were in a certain business and you could be best friends with, a, let's say, the restaurant business. I saw Sarah over there. Let's say the restaurant. You, you were running a restaurant and you, there was one person on the planet who was the most successful in restaurants, was a multi-multi-millionaire because of what he was uh, able to do in the restaurant business. And somebody said, you can spend time with him as much as you want. Would you go like, nah, I don't want to do that. No, you'd probably go, really? Yeah, call him anytime you want. He'll give you advice. He'll give you direction. He'll tell you how to make money. He'll tell you how to make things better with your restaurant. He'll tell you everything you need to be successful. How many would make that phone call? Pick any business. Pick anything in life. Pick anything that you want to do. If you had the choice and the ability to be connected and have a connection, a divine connection with somebody who is an expert in that field, would you take that step and go, yeah, I'm going I'm to do that? This is what God is like, ladies and gentlemen. He's not just a Sunday morning God. He is not just a Sunday morning God. He wants to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He wants to be so part of your life. He wants you to be successful in your business, successful in raising your kids. God, I'm just, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to, oh, Jesus, help me with these kids. God can help you with your kids. God can help you with your spouse. I don't know. He can. He can help you in every area of your life. I just need to make more money. He can help you. I know you don't hear that pretty often in church, but God 
can help you make money. People say, well, you know, money's not important. Only if, you know, when I was in the Air Force, I was getting married, and my, my pilot, he was kind of my boss. He, he says, you're getting married? And my, my navigator and the co-pilot, they were so excited. My pilot, he, he wasn't saying anything. He just looked at me. He said, so, can you make it on, on food and do you add up bills and stuff like that? You know, he was a practical guy. And my navigator goes, all two can live as cheap as one. And my pilot looked at me and says, as long as one of you don't eat. <laughs> I never forgot that. And I just oh, that's right. You know, <laughs> got quiet, you know. Yeah, two can live as cheap as one. Yeah, as long as one of you don't eat. Yeah, two can live as cheap as one. So he was very sensible. But this is the thing. God can help you make money because it does take money to transaction food on your table, to put gas in your tank, to cause the electricity to come on in this building. It takes mula. It takes money. You know, and religious people go, oh, money's not that important. As long as you don't like to eat, stay warm, stay cool. No, money's not that important. No, it's not that this is why a relationship and delighting in God above seeking money, if you have this kind of relationship, I'm telling you what, he'll take you to a place where money's never a problem. It's a big difference. It's just what you're seeking, what you're delighting in. If you delight yourself in God, I'm telling you what, he will take you to destinations you have no clue about. You, I mean, Colonel Sanders, 65 years old. Came to the end of his rope, and, you know, he just thought, well, I'm done. I'm going to retire. So he retired. But that's when he just got a stirring that I just can't sit. I just got to do something. He was a Kentucky boy, by the way. Anyway, that's when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken, age 65. Age 65. What if he gave up? Probably had been... Kansas chicken or something else. <laughs> Just doesn't ring as the same. But if it had been something, it wouldn't have been Kentucky Fried. It, I mean, it's because he was willing to take that step. I'm telling you, how many dreams are in the graveyard today? How many success stories are in the graveyard today? But when we delight ourselves in God and do Psalms 37... And just give him permission to direct my life, direct your life. I'm telling you, it's going to be an awesome journey. I didn't say it's going to be an easy journey. It's not necessarily, it may be even more difficult. The hurdles may be a little bit higher. But God gives you grace in your thighs to jump higher. The mountain can be bigger. But just like Caleb, age 80, he was 80 years old, says, I'm going to take that mountain. And Joshua looked at him and said, um, he didn't say this out loud, but he thought, you're 80 years old. But I got the interpretation because he says, Caleb, there's, the enemy's still on that. We haven't wiped out all the enemy on that. He says, I'm well able to do that. God's with me. I can do that. Just because you're retired doesn't mean that God is through with you now. And just such, man, I tell you what, my mom, she was bedridden. She did so much for the kingdom of God. People called her every day of her life. 
Louise, I need you to pray for this. Louise, I need you to pray for that. Louise, I want you to pray for this. Louise, I've been having trouble. They would call her for healing in their body. She'd pray for them. They get healed. Things happen because she did that till the day she died. So my point is this. Don't just think, well, my life is over. I'll just coast. I think you should enjoy life, but I don't think you should quit life. I don't think you should quit. God has great things for you. I'll pick up here next week. Anyway, amen? I know I didn't get to the delighting part, but just start talking to God differently about, God, I want to delight in you. Show me how to do that. Open up my, better yet, open up my eyes to see how you delight in me. Open up your eyes to show me how much you love me. You know, you know when you start dating somebody and they just are so unbelievable, do everything, ooze out with love and everything, you start getting attracted to that. And you start falling in love with that. We need to fall in love again with who God is. Not who you thought he was, but who he is. And it'll change your walk with God. You tend to talk to him and ask him about everything. Man, I do little things. God, you know, I need this or whatever, you know. What, what do you think, God? What should I do? What should I do? I want this to look nice in my yard. I'm doing something for my yard. Lord, I want this to look nice. I asked Melody. She's not for sure. So I'm asking you. You know what's going to look nice. Everything in your life, you can do things like that. You go, man, that's crazy. I'm not saying you have to, but I do because I want things to be the best. I want things to be the great. And I'm pretty sure God knows what's the best. He knows what's best for your kids, for you. He knows what kind of future. He knows. He knows. People are afraid. Oh, I used to say this as a kid. Oh, God's probably going to send me to Timbuktu. Walla, walla, boo. I used to say that. I was in Bible school. And uh, somebody came up to me and said, you probably ought to quit saying that. I said, why? There is a place in Africa called Timbuktu. And I said, but this is the, the problem. People think that God wants to send you someplace where you won't be happy. God's going to call you to do something in life where you will be miserable all the days of your life. Really? Really? If you were miserable, I've known people who did a, a, a living all the days of their life. They said they hated it all the days of their life. You can rest assured you missed God. I'm not judging you. I just know who God is. He wouldn't have wanted that for your life. What kind of father goes, ah, son, you hate road construction? I did road construction. I hated it every day of my life. So just suck it up. Just, just that's life. No, maybe your life, but it wasn't the life that God had for you. Amen? Let's stand. Amen. We'll pick up here next week. Everybody say he's good. And he's good to me. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name. The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we would understand what it means to delight in God. What it means that God is our compass, that we give him the ability to tell us which way to go.
what to do in every area of our life. What does that look like to you, God? I know we've been taught certain things, but God, show us what that looks like, not only to you, but what does it look like from our point of view? Delighting in God, what does that, we know, we've, by this message today, we know it's not about rule keeping, but what does that look like, delighting ourselves in the Lord? We understand, spend, loving to spend time with you, loving to, to read your word. Show us what that means to each individual. So it's not a generic term, but it's a specific thing for each person. I just pray that you'll help us to have revelation of that. That truly the words, this is the way, walk ye in it. We've become real to each one of us. They will become real to us. This journey called life, walking with God. In Jesus' name, amen.